Father God, I thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to just see your hand working in this place. I want to thank you for last week for the baptism, for the salvation, for the, just the opportunity to see life change in some of the families in the church. I also want to pray in advance, Father, for the message today and just thank you for your brother's book, James, and just what it meant to the first church. I pray that it will also be held in high regard for us because sometimes being warned of uh, a lot of different things may not be easy to do, but uh, sometimes we need to remind ourselves to keep the main thing the main thing. So, Father, I pray that we would do that, to go, to make, to baptize, and to teach. There is no high calling for a believer. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. May everything that continues to happen in this building bring honor and glory to and through your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, everybody. Um, yes, it was an amazing week. Oh, we got some rain, guys, if you want to take that out. So just so we're aware that last, wow. Yeah, there you go. They're working on it. So hopefully it'll come out, um, pull the treble out of there, and that'll take care of a lot of it. So basically, Monday and Tuesday of this past week, we had um, 25, 25, 60. We had 60 volunteers in the two days who came and started to distribute 1,000 frozen turkeys and 1,000 family food boxes. It was an amazing two days. The first day we did 700, and the second day we did 300. It was nuts out there. It was a little chaotic on the first day. And could I just ask all the volunteers from the church to please stand up? Come on, if you were, don't make me call your names, folks, because I know you were here. And yeah, they were amazing. They worked very, very hard. They worked extremely hard at getting, at getting all of that stuff distributed and cleaned up and everything ready for the church to keep going. So it was an amazing, um, it was an amazing deal that, to watch and, and how families were blessed. Even on uh, Wednesday, by Wednesday, everybody, all of the families all over the county had received their boxes and I was getting stories and one I just wanted to share with you real quick mother who had stage four cancer, um, whose daughter could not shop. And uh, the mom is 84 and the daughter, daughter is 65, which go ahead and add those numbers up, yeah. So the two of them are by themselves in a small apartment in Huntington Beach and they weren't sure what they were gonna do for Thanksgiving. So they had ordered Sonic to, to just get Sonic hot dogs. That's what they could afford, they had coupons. And then uh, one of our organizations showed up with the turkey and the box. Now the amazing part was, this organization chose to cook a few of the turkeys in advance for some of the families who couldn't. So when they showed up, they showed up with aluminum trays full of cooked turkey and potatoes and green bean casserole and all this stuff. And then they brought the box with all of the extra meals for them. But the box was still sealed. So I asked the organizer, I said, hey, can you tell me, how did you get the extra, well, we just bought all the extra food for them and then made the decision to just, you know, give them the food box anyways. So that was a whole lot to do with all of your help. And I just wanted you all to know those kinds of stories. I could sit here and make you cry all day, but we're gonna get into the word of God and uh, let James do the work. Because this is an amazing letter. 
And I'm really hoping you guys can either turn down the gain or do something to fix that ring because that's driving me crazy. All right, so one of the deals that we have with the book of James, I'm just going to recap a little bit with where Jeff left us off two weeks ago. Last week was a great Thanksgiving message. Two weeks ago, we were, began chapter five and we did the first uh, 12 verses. And the first one through six, it was a warning to the rich. If you want to remember that, your gold and your silver have rusted. Money in itself, he was not saying that money was evil. He was saying that the love of money was evil, and he was trying to get that through to those, the people he was sending this letter to. Then in verses 7 and 8, he told them, Be patient. We know that you're in dispersion. And we know that from verse 1 in chapter 1. That means that they were all scattered throughout the hills around Jerusalem because of the persecution that they were experiencing. And he said, be patient, wait for the Lord, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. That was in verses 7 and 8. Then in verses 9 and 11, we got do not complain against one another. Evidently, James had heard that as can happen sometimes in churches, there was a small bit of complaints. I'm going to leave that alone, but we're going to know that this, when James heard that there were complaints, he wanted to address it right away. And he said, the prophets who suffered because of their faith endured and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, do not swear by heaven or hell. Let me excuse me, I got to just fix this real quick. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because he was trying to tell them, you don't need to, to, to say, oh, I swear to God or I swear on my mother's life or anything else. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be known as a person of integrity, as someone who can just say yes and people can count on that. Say, no, I'm not able to do that. That's one thing. But if you're going to say yes, make sure that your yes is able to stay your yes. And that's what he was got to. And then at last in verse 12, he says, and above all, Above all, as you get, may your yes be yes and no be no, but above all, let your integrity show through everything that you do. And then, so that brings us to verse 13. And it, James addresses his readers, um, as remember, from verse 1 in chapter 1, the tribes who are in dispersion, they're all spread out. And he asks some questions in chapter 5, starting with verse 13a. He says to them, is anyone suffering? See, this is not suffering physically. So what you're going to find out is in the next eight verses that there are three different words he uses to be sick or suffer. And the amazing part about what, this, what is going on right here is James is using all different words because he realizes that you can suffer in different ways. Would you agree with that? There's different ways of suffering. We would all know that there are times when we feel physically ill. There's times when we feel emotionally ill. There are times when maybe we're just hurt by the words of somebody who said things to us. What amazes me about the human condition is this. We can always remember anything that somebody says bad about us, can't we? Anytime anybody says, well, you didn't do this right, you didn't do that, we can take that. Now, we can get a thousand compliments, can't we? But we always remember the one bad thing. And that causes suffering. These 
people around Jerusalem, they're in the hills all the way around Jerusalem, the Qumran hills to the east, the, the Indies hills to the west, and they, as they're in these hills and in these hiding places, they're living in dispersion because if they are found, they will die. And they know that. And so when James says in this, he says in verse 13, is anyone suffering? And it's not physically, kakopathe is a, a Greek word, and I th I'll throw those out just because I have to. That's basically, I like to do that because it sounds cool. Kakopathe, that's great. It's not an, a dish to eat or anything, it's just something to say. It's specific, um, hard, and it's related to their faith. They're being persecuted because of their faith, and that's what that means. They were being persecuted because of their belief in who Jesus is. It's very interesting because today we have that same thing going on, kind of, don't we? I mean, when, when people talk about Christians on the street or you see, you see interviews on YouTubes and all of these social media channels, people are, are asked and said, hey, what is it like? You know, you know, do you believe, are you a Christian? Oh, no, I'm not, you know. What do you think of Christians? They will tell you, you know, that sometimes we're labeled as intolerant or bigots or, or prejudiced or judgmental. And even in all of that stuff going on, it was still going on even in the days that James was writing this letter. And the great thing about the first part of verse 13 to me is that when we are suffering and he says, let him pray, there is hope in that prayer. There is hope in that prayer. And then in the second half of verse 13, he says, is anyone cheerful? Which is really interesting because people think that it's related to being happy all the time. You know, am I supposed to just walk around happy with a smile on my face? No matter what's going on, am I to be cheerful all the time? This cheerful he's talking about is not necessarily a happiness. It's an inner joy that we get because of the life that we have in Christ. Whenever Jesus fills a life with that, there's a joy and assurance and a, and a positive thinking because we know the end of the story, don't we? For those of you that went with us through the book of Revelation, let us remember that there's an enemy that wants to steal your heart. You know, he, he let it be known on the days when he was tempting Jesus. He says in that third temptation, he said, look, above all else, all you have to do is bow down before me and I'll give you all of this in the world. Which he really couldn't do, but he thought he had lots of power and he was, thought he was far above himself. But the other side of that is he showed his hand. In other words, all I got to do is get those that love God bow down before me and show their love for me, and I can steal them away from God. That's his whole mission before he dies, because when you go to Revelation chapters 21 and 22, you will find the end of the story for all eternity. Amen? That, wait, let's try that one more time. You will know the end of the story for all eternity. Amen? Thank you, God, love when you do that. I'm so excited. So when we get to the end, and then in verse 13, in any situation is bad when we worship, because he says, if you're cheerful, let him sing. Let your heart be in worship. Now that does not mean that we have to act like we're happy when we feel sad. What that means is that when we're sad and we're struggling and we begin to worship, <laughs> This morning, some of the songs that the team was singing are so perfect for that. You know, All Who Are Weary. That's a great song for hope. All Who Are Weak. 
Come to the fountain. Dip your hand in the sea of life. There is a whole thing of everything that we know when we come and we're struggling and we come to the throne of God, we know that we can worship. We know that we can sing. We know that we can sing even a song as simple as Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. There is no time that we cannot open the book of Psalms and realize that in that book, every one of those psalms were written for a very specific purpose. And James is saying here in this very verse, when you are, in, when you are joyful, sing. But also, when you need to be connected to Jesus, worship and sing. When any situation is bad, when we worship, there is hope. It's amazing to me how God just makes all of these verses knowing that today is the first day of Advent, which is hope. We're going to be talking about all the hope that's in this scripture that James gives to these people who are hiding in caves all around Jerusalem because they can go nowhere else. Then he goes to verse 14 and we look at that and we says, is any among you sick? This is asotheneo. This is a whole different sickness. This is a different word for sick. Now this word does mean physical illness. In other words, this is when you're having the flu, when you're feeling sick or you're physically ill. Now, then he says you must call the elders to pray. We love that idea. We love to call those men and women that we trust and that we know are wise in the word of God and that they're in true believers. And we love to call them to pray with us. And he says, and they will anoint you with oil. Jeff and I were sharing about this. We just learned something this week. And, and as many times as I've translated this, I just learned that anointing is to smear. <laughs> Get it? To smear you with oil. So if any of you call me to your house to pray, I'm bringing a bucket. <laughs> just thought you should know, you know, because we can smear. So that means that God wants to... Remember the time when Jesus was there, the woman came in with the alabaster of oil. And... And uh, Judas was saying, oh, she's going to waste all of that oil. And she was just, she broke the bottle and it poured all of that. That is to smear. She anointed Jesus. And she was drying it with her hair. Because it was Jesus who was saying, leave her alone. She knows what she's doing. This is a woman of true faith. And that's what that means. It's the same thing for us. So when the elders get to go to pray in that smearing of oil, the oil's not magic or anything. What it is, is it's telling you that you are completely covered in the spirit of God, that you have hope in the fact that God will answer this prayer. We're going to talk about how God answers our prayers in just a minute. It reminds us, this also reminds us of how James is very particular. It's not only in, in how he addresses us, but also in the way that he addresses. He uses all of these different words for sickness. And in using these different words for sickness, he wants people to understand there are different kinds. And that we can all suffer from any of those at any time. But the great thing is that even in physical illness, there is hope. And then in verse 15, he says, a prayer offered in faith. <laughs> that word in faith. We're talking about complete opposition of doubt. There's no doubt when you go to God in prayer. 
That when you're going in faith, in your complete faith, you're not going there thinking, well, maybe God will answer, maybe he won't. Well, yes, I have, I, I think he will, I, I believe he will. No, when you come in faith and you say, God, I'm beseeching you on behalf of everything you have told me in your word. I want you to know, God, that I completely trust you to answer this prayer. And we go and we bring this prayer, and to bring prayer like that, it means to beseech. And that when you get ready to beseech God in that, you're not looking, and God is not looking for a perfect human to do this. He's looking for a heart that belongs to him without a doubt. That's what God is looking for. And then the next part of the verse says, it will restore the one who is sick. Here we go, the word sick. The whole meaning of that word is weary to the point of exhaustion has nothing to do with physical illness. It's amazing when James is addressing these people and addressing this for us in 2022, that he's saying to us, guess what? God is even telling us when we are weary to the point of exhaustion and we come to him in faith, it says he will raise us up. Now, I know that there are beliefs out there of people who truly believe that, well, then that means that every time I pray, God is going to do exactly what I ask him to do. Well, there's one small issue in that. And James tells us that earlier in the book. He talks about you have not because you ask not. Then when you ask, you ask for the wrong way, doesn't he? He talks about that in the second and third chapter. Here's, here's what he, where we are here. When he says, we'll restore and we'll raise him up, because of the context in this language that he's saying to these readers, if we get to understand this, we're going to understand a very important truth about the word of God when we pray. Because here's the phrase that matters the most. When we pray, he will raise you up. He will answer you. He will restore you in God's time, in God's will, and sometimes may not be the way we expect or want. I mean, when we break this down from the original dictionaries, we look at this and go, okay, wait a minute. So, so it's not instant when I ask and when I, when I ask God to do this. It's not all of a sudden I have to know right now that it's you that. Because sometimes it's just a yes or no answer is not in God's time or in his plan for right now. So I'm going to give you a third option for an answered prayers. Wait. God may want us to wait for two reasons. First off, he told one of the old prophets, Zephaniah, he told him, God, Zephaniah prayed deeply, and he said, God, please just show me everything I need to know. And God flat out told Zephaniah, said, look, <laughs> you're a human being. If I were to tell you everything that is going to happen, it would scare you to the point of death. I mean, he told his own prophet that. He said, I have to give you little bits at a time. That's why when you see when Moses prays and he tells Moses, go to the place that I will show you. He tells Abraham, go to the place that I will show you. He begins to tell everybody that he's saying, just go to the place. Start. Take that first step. Go. Sometimes the answer to our prayers can be wait. And my dear family, if we get to a place where that we can wait like God wants us to, when the answer comes, oh my goodness, 
It will be greater joy, greater everything than we could ever ask or imagine. That's what's going to happen. Praying in faith with no doubt and accepting God's timing and plan reminds us that there is always hope in our discussions with God. Amen? Amen. Okay, making sure you're awake. All right, verse 16. He starts with therefore, and last week you heard Pastor Jeff say, anytime you see therefore, you got to ask why it's therefore. What is it therefore? That makes more sense. In other words, in response to all you have seen in the statements of verses 13 to 15, so as you look above what you've just been reading, you're going to think, okay, in light of everything that we've just said up there, here's what I need you to know. In other words, in response to everything in the statement, he says, confess your sins to one another. Coming in faith, if you're sick, if you're suffering, if there is sin, if there's things going on in your life, confess your sins to one another. Now, this one another that's described here, please understand, it is not walking up to a man on the street that you don't know or a woman and just saying, excuse me, sir or ma'am, could I just confess my sins to you and, and have you to just understand that you can't do that to somebody you don't know. This, this confess your sins to one another, someone who is like-minded, trusted, full of wisdom, and a loving brother or sister. When you're confessing your sins, it's someone obviously that we trust. It's obviously somebody that we know is going to take this information with a heart of gold to say, look, I am hurting with you right now. You know, I have seen, sometimes when our elders get the prayer requests on Wednesday morning, I have seen these men just cry out to God on your behalf because they are the one another's who just have empathy with you and hurt with you. So please understand, when you get your prayer requests written and turn them in or go to, to pastor at lighthousecommunity.com and ask for prayer, they earnestly get prayed for. They pray over those with all of their heart. It's, it's an, a blessing to be in that room when that happens. And I don't get to be there very often. That's the amazing part. So the effective prayer, then he says, the effective prayer of a righteous man, dikaios, one who stands the test and demonstrates righteousness. One who stands the test. What test is he talking about, do you think? It's obviously that test of the fact that we, can, we are going through such persecution and time alone and time being pointed out that we're the wrong ones and we've done this and we've done that. Those who stand the test and stay faithful to God are the ones that he says, those are the ones that you want to talk to. Those are the ones you want to come alongside with. Those are the ones that you want to ask to come alongside with you. I have some brothers in this room that I just tell you, I can tell you right now that if anything, any hardships that I have, anything that's going on in my life, I can go to them and we can sit down and I can say, I need help. I just need you to pray with me right now. And yes, believe it or not, no pastors ever, Rod, Jeff, myself, none, every one of us can tell you that yes, pastors struggle and we go through hard times too. So please keep us in your prayers because we know that we have an enemy who comes after us as well sin and sickness can go hand in hand because there, <laughs> there are times when we as human beings mm, set ourselves up for getting sick you know too much time drinking of type of liquids that if overused make you feel like you're gonna die 
You have times when you make wrong decisions at work, in school, at home, with family. Things that make it, that will bring hardship on ourselves. We do that. Sometimes we set ourselves up. And then he says, and if they have sins, they will be forgiven. He lets us know that even in those dark times, there is hope in the power of prayer, especially prayer of the faithful. And he proves that by going on to the next verse in verse 17. And he says, Elijah was a man much like us. That word man, by the way, is not male person. It's anthropos, means a member of human beings. He's, he's a me member of the human race. He is a human being, and he is just like everybody else. And when he prayed, he prayed earnestly, which means that he sat down and he beseeched God. He went prostrate before the Lord, and he asked God that it would not rain. He said, Lord, you need to stop the rain in this town. We need to prove to them who they are. He was in a battle right there for spiritual, trying to let everybody know who God was. And as he prayed, he laid out prostrate before the Lord and begged God and said, on the behalf of everything you are, God, I want you to stop the rain. And God did for three and a half years. Which, if, if you remember going through the, the Revelation study, you remember that that was a very significant number. Does anybody ever remember how many months that was? It was 42 months. Very important number. Because in that three and a half years, all of a sudden people began to realize who God is. And the power that he has as the reigning God himself. Praying with a humble heart towards God will bring hope. Then in verse 18, in the same manner, prostrate, he prayed again that the rain would return. And the scripture says, the sky poured rain and the, on the earth and the earth produced its fruit. See, any time that we go beseechingly, Anytime that we go in faith with no doubt, anytime we stand before God our Father and we reach out to him, there is a time when he will answer you in his plan. If it is in his will and his plan and in his time right now, God's going to answer you in ways that you would be amazed by. Now here's the fun part of this whole thing. At no time does it say anywhere, and I looked it up to see, but at no time or anywhere does it say that you have to be praying for God to bless you. Have any of you ever gotten a blessing unexpectedly? Oh my goodness, isn't that amazing? So the fun part of this is that all of a sudden you realize what that means. It means that God is always watching you. God's eyes are always on you. And the amazing part about who he is as God the Father, the omnipotent, the all-powerful, the all-seeing, the all-knowing, he is also all-providing. And he knows when you're struggling, even when you don't think you are. Many of us want to be prideful and decide in our hearts, oh, I don't need God. I'm already taking care of everything. Everything is good. Things are going along well. Job is going well. Kids are doing good. Everything's good. Why do we have to have God? And then 
soon as something happens in your life, what is the first thing you do? Everybody, we say, oh Lord, what happened here? Why, why, why am I going through this right now? Why, God, are you doing this to me? Why, God, am I not getting the answers that I need right now? You can see how desperate I am. Family, I've been there with you. Trust me. As a person with 22 surgeries under his belt, I've been there. I understand. There are times when your weariness gets deeper than than anything you can imagine. And all of a sudden, you feel like and know that God is not there anymore. And there are times in the Psalms when you see David crying out, God, forgive me, for I don't know what I did. But it seems like you're not hearing me at all. He is always hearing us, family. His ear is never turned away. But there are times when we need to learn, experience, and explore life on this earth. And it can be ugly and nasty and everything else. And the only thing that we have is that diaconos that he talked about, that inner joy. Because if we have that inner joy, yes, though we're feeling the pain and pressure of everything we're going through, we're going to know that I have faith without a doubt in my almighty God and who he is. And when you have faith in an almighty God, you, you, you know that because when he reaches down and talks to you in verse 19, the first words out of his mouth are brethren. Do you realize he's talking to all of the believers? This is, he's not giving this letter at this point to those who don't believe. These are to the believers. So that means all of that suffering, sickness, and everything, and the prayers of faith, and without a doubt, and everything that we read above this is to the church. It's to every one of us that are sitting here this morning that just want to say, does, does because I sit in this church, does that mean my life is perfect? Absolutely not. Because I sit in this church, is it always going to go good for me? No, I wish I could tell you that it would, but it is not going to. But I do know this. When he says, brethren, if any among you wanders astray, believers are always tempted to wander. When he says, if any of you wanders astray, we are always tempted. We are always tempted. We have an enemy who wants to steal our hearts from God. If we can keep that within us, keep that in front of our face, that somebody is always trying to steal my heart from the living God, and that we can stand up and say, yeah, but you're not getting it today. Today is not the day. My grandson used to watch a a cartoon, and he he would always have an important phrase, not today, Zerg. Those of you that have kids and have watched Lightyear, Buzz Lightyear a lot, you realize that what he's talking about. Not today, Zerg. In other words, not today, devil. Mm-mm, ain't happening today. Today the living God lives in me and has that inner joy, and I have no doubt of who he is and how he is. I have no doubt of his straining power. I have no doubt of the fact that when I reach out to him, he can hear my voice. And even when I'm asleep at night, I can hear his voice. There is always hope in prayer for your brothers and sisters. Dear family, when you have a burden, 
and I've said this many times and I'll probably say it until the day I can't talk anymore. But when somebody comes to your mind and you have a burden for a brother or sister in Christ, they're just, they're just on your mind and you don't even know why, call them. Please call them. Talk to them. Find out, hey, I just called in just to say hi. I just want to know if you're okay and everything's all right. You will be amazed at the percentage of times and how many times they're going to say to you, I can't believe you're calling me right now. And I know that how this is true because one time I had a friend who was a cement truck driver in Nevada when we lived there and I called him and I couldn't get him on the phone. So I called his brother and I said, I said, hey, what happened to Troy? Is Troy okay? I'm trying to, for some reason, God wants me to call him right now and talk to him and check on him. And his brother, who wasn't a believer, are you kidding me? I said, no, really, I, I need to know what happened. Is he okay? What's going on? God put him on my mind, and I know there's something going on. And he says, you're scaring me right now. I said, what's the matter? My brother just, his cement truck just flipped over, and he had a bad accident. A four-pound sledgehammer came down and hit him in the head. They're taking him to the hospital right now as we speak. I am standing in the middle of the desert at the wreck. And the paramedics are taking him away. And I said to him, I said, I want you to know that I'm praying for Troy right now. Tell me what hospital they're taking him to and I'm going to get there. And I was just going about my business normally that day. There was nothing new, strange, or anything going on. It was just a regular, normal day to me. But for some reason, Troy's mind came in and says, pray for Troy, pray for Troy, pray for Troy. And as I did, I found out what had happened. Troy is fine today. He's still crazy as I'll get out, but that's my brother. He's good. And we have a great time together, and we always remember that time when God was so in tune with Troy that he wanted me to know it's time to hold up your brother. For every single one of you here who are believers today, there is somebody in this room or in your family or a brother and sister in Christ that you know that holds you very close to their heart. And they hold you so close to their heart that at any time something may come along and all of a sudden you may get a phone call and say, hey, I just need to know if you're okay. <laughs> Don't blame Bill, but you're going to say, wow, this really does happen because I need some help right now. And you're going to find out real quick how much God cares for you so much that even if you were the only person on earth at this time, Jesus still would have went to that cross just for you. Every single one of you is important to him as every one of us are unique. There's no two people in this room the same, which is some of us, that's a good thing. And when we think about the fact that God cares so much that he's going to call us out one at a time, to say, well done, good and faithful. I'm so grateful you are here with my family. And I love the fact that as you meet on Sunday mornings at Lighthouse Community Church, that you gather together in fellowship, that you gather together to love one another, to let each other know, hey, I, I am a brother and sister in Christ with the same heart that you have for our God. We have to hold on to each other because when we do, there is more strength in that than we could ever imagine. There is more strength in the power of God when we stand together and we can hold on to each other in that light. 
the amazing part about this letter as we get through verses 19 and 20. When someone dear to us does stray. <laughs> and that has happened. They are not lost forever. Don't write them off. God will lead us and give us wisdom in bringing back his sheep. And it says that very clearly. When believers have a burden for those brothers or sisters who wander, and in loving wisdom and care, bring them back to a belief in God the Father and Jesus his Son, you can save their soul from death. That can start with something as simple as, I have a phone call, I pick up the phone, their name is on my heart. I call them and say, I just want to know if you're all right. You will be amazed at how God is going to use you to bring them that person back. There is hope and prayer for your brothers and sisters and for your pastors, just so you know. Don't forget us. We can use it more than ever. It seems that at the end of this book, this letter, God knew that the last <laughs> message for it was going to happen on this day. Because as many of you know, today is the first Sunday in the season of Advent. And each of those verses, it seems, end with a lesson in hope. God knows all. He knew that we would end our study today in the book of James on the first Sunday of the season of Advent. Advent is, and for those of you that don't know, Advent is a four-week period that celebrates the anticipa anticipation and the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The origin of the word Advent is, comes from the Latin Adventus, which means basically just the coming or the arrival. So each of the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, there will be a different theme that will focus on the life of Christ. And each Sunday, we will be lighting a candle, which I'm going to light the first one today, Lighting a candle that represents this first week is hope. I think it's amazing how it matched up with the end of our study in the book of James. God is good, amen? amen. God is good, amen? amen? Yeah, thank you. I need a little more assurance there. Thank you. So as we light this candle this week, I want us to be aware of the fact that this is the season that starts a time when the whole world is noticing what's going on, especially in the church. This is a time when, when we, everybody takes notice of what's going on. Whether they believe in Jesus or not, that doesn't, it doesn't even matter. They know that the word Christmas, being Christ's day, simply means that everybody, there's a lot of people recognizing that it is the birth of the one who came as Messiah. So, Throughout history, at a time when there was much anticipation, there's a two to three hundred years uh, blank between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And as that time came in, there was a big, strong anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. This first candle that we light of Advent is known as the prophecy candle. Because this, this first candle, it, it's in memory of the prophets, particularly Isaiah, who actually prophesied... <laughs> hundreds of years before he came, the birth of the Messiah. So as we light this first candle, it symbolizes the hope that we have in Jesus Christ who came, who came as a light in, uh, into the world. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. 
And as we talk about Advent for the next three to four weeks, four weeks, three more after this, we're going to realize and understand something. Every time that God thought about the world before this happened, things happened in certain sequences that we're going to be talking about in the next four weeks. Jeff will be sharing that with us. The events that happened between the wise men, the shepherds, and everybody in the world coming to the fact that Jesus the Messiah was going to be born. He did that for the sole reason that we all might spend eternity with him. I will ask you to join me in prayer as we remember the hope that we have in our Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, there are times when we forget. We drop the ball. We may lose our sight on who you are and how you are. We may at times forget that it was the Savior himself who came and said that he forgives us in all things and all circumstances. As he was on the cross and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even in his suffering, we were on his mind. So Lord, I pray for the, any that are in here who don't know you, who don't know what it means to have life in your son. I pray for those that are watching on the stream, if they know, if they don't have life in your son, eternal life, may they not turn this off without sending us a note. And if they're here this morning, may they not leave this place without knowing what it means to have Jesus in their hearts as personal Lord and Savior. And God, we ask in all things, Father, that we might be the light, the wisdom, and walk in the way that Jesus would have us walk. And we pray all of this in his holy name. Amen. If any of you would like prayer this morning, I'm going to be up here. Pastor Jeff's in the back. Please feel free to come up to us. Let us know. We'd love to pray with you. If it gets a little busy up here, some of the elders will come up and pray with us as well. I have no buckets of oil, so you're safe here. But we would just open it up and say, if you wish to have prayer this morning, please feel free to join us. Thanks, Bill. Great message. Always reminds me of the thing. I, I love the saying, make the main, plain thing the main thing make it too complicated my chains are gone I've been set free I got my
Okay, we have a special guest coming up to help us on this last one. You, some of you may not know, but Mr. Tom here, um, whenever you're in a meeting with Tom or, well, definitely the elders meetings, but um, any small group, he was in my small group for a long time, he always ends in a song. And this is one. When we were looking at songs this week, this is one that stood out, and I said, we've got to have Tom on this one. So I'm going to turn my mic over to Tom here. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
Prince and King does. Yeah. Happy Sunday, everybody. Go in peace and just love what's in front of you, okay?